Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. Q Hotline just shot Sugar Weasel today, Colorado Springs. It's amazing as hell every single time I shoot the thing. Some part of me feels like I'm living free, not dying in a cage like every other office space fool. So thanks for giving some freedom and imagination to people. So cute. Yep. You sent me. Figured I'd leave a nice little message for you. Make sure you know I'm thinking about you. Hope you were uh, twisting those little nipples. Good morning. It's Kevin. It's the drive-in again. This morning, the talk is about uh, silencer shoots, events that um, we conceived back at AAC and um, produced and what I thought of them, what were the concepts, what were the ideas, what we took away from it, um, and just the idea of these types of events and shoots for, for people to uh, come together and enjoy silencers and you know try to get a little more educated on things. Uh, the second topic is sound numbers. So, DB, decibels, what's it matter to you? What is realistic? How it's manipulated? How the industry sucks because of it? How people cheat, lie, and steal, manipulate you guys into believing things that are unimportant and or not true, um, what you should really look for, and when it actually matters. Uh, the third topic, so there's three today, and modular silencers. I have a love-hate relationship with modular silencers. If any of you have followed my career or listened to any of the podcasts or interviews, anything that I've done... Um, You'll know this to be true. I've spent a great deal of time, resource, effort focused on modular silencers. And I've learned along the way that generally you shouldn't do modular silencers. There are some exceptions to that. But what are the, the realities of the compromises and the pros and cons and all these things of modular silencers? When do you need one? When do you not need one? Um, when's it the right thing? When's it not? So take a listen, see what you think. Those are the topics. Hope you enjoy. Good morning. So um, a lot of people ask me about the silencer shoots that I used to do at Advanced Armament. And a lot of you are, haven't been around the industry or maybe too young to remember these. Um, but this was something I started, I don't know, 10 or 15, no, it had to be like 15 years ago. Um, I wanted to do an event to sort of showcase silencers and it'd be silenced only. And I thought it would be a fairly, you know, re like localized thing. But even with the first one, people attended from all across the country. And it was kind of a, it was a different time in guns. And there wasn't a ton of social media out there. You know, there was no Instagram. At this point, no one was on Facebook. Um... There wasn't a lot of stuff like this. Like the internet for 
firearms was primarily forums. And this was a really neat place, uh, or an event. Everyone got together. Uh, I invited all silencer companies. And at the time, you know, there's like a hundred now. And uh, the industry's different. I mean, there were bitter rivalries then, but it's a little different now. Um, where, you know, like the wannabes have anonymous accounts and post personal stuff. It's kind of a new um, thing that, you know, little fags do. But, uh, and, and of course, I had these events. I mean, Silencer Co. would come. Uh, they were brand new. I think it's the first time I'd ever seen them or heard of them, maybe. They came to one of our first silencer shoots. Or I don't even know if it was one of the first, but it was pretty early on. Um, of course, Gem Tech wouldn't show up because, you know, Phil Dater had always run his mouth and about how quiet they were, and they had never evolved their stuff. Um, and so they would boycott any event we would do, which was great and funny and helped them to become even more irrelevant. Um, but it was interesting, even the first one. I had it at a, a local range right outside of Atlanta near, near my farm. And uh, even the military and stuff showed up to the event. I think maybe we advertised the first one in a magazine, Guns and Weapons for Law Enforcement or something. And <clears throat> basically the first one was, I think, a one-day event. Maybe the night before we had like a party, which, which seems like what we would do. Um, but a one-day event, we gave away a ton of product, like companies that were... It was it was kind of a, an interesting time in the industry. Advanced Armament was really hot. Magpul was a young company that was really hot. And tons of companies donated product. So the first event, maybe we were expecting like 200 people and we had like 800 people show up or something along those lines. It was ridiculous. But we gave away like as much product as people showed up. That's how many companies were just awesome and donated to it. You know, it was a big expense for me, but I thought it was great a great marketing opportunity and a way for people to see all guns. We had different kinds of competitions and giveaways, and um, you could shoot just about every manufacturer's silencer. So everything from 22 to 50 cal to belt-fed machine guns. Um, it was a neat event. You know, and I think what sets it apart from some of these, like, uh, there's a goober that does one in Florida. Um, what sets it apart from these current events, I believe, is, you know, everybody needs to make money. And at the time, I wasn't doing it for that reason. I was doing it for the exposure, and I knew it would help the company. It was one of those, you just got to have faith. And because um, most marketing is bullshit, you, you can't really quantify it. And anybody that's into marketing and tells you they can is typically lying to you. Um but I knew the event would be awesome. It would get people in the industry interested. I wanted to get more firearms companies. Like, it seems crazy to a lot of you now. Most firearms companies at the time didn't even offer guns with threaded barrels. So, I mean, this was, you know, there wasn't a lot of subsonic ammo available. All these things that we kind of take for granted now that are great things that are just available. Um, you know, silencers are still a niche, but very mainstream compared to you know, 15 years ago, 
but my goals were just kind of awareness and a fun day. And I always believed, you know, that we didn't really even need salespeople or anything for silencers. All you need to do is have a customer shoot one and they'll buy them. Now, I mean, at the time, form fours were taking probably three months. So it's a little bit bigger of a hurdle now. And it'd be nice if, you know, ASA would actually step up and do their job and put some pressure on ATF and reduce this 12 month wait. Um, but I may have too high of expectations for them. Um, but all people needed to do was shoot a silencer and they were going to buy one. You know, it's like I say about, you know, the silencers turn sports shooting into something closer to golf where you can hang out with your friends and talk and, you know, and it's a good time. Um, and these events were a great time. But now, you know, everybody charging out the ass for it, trying to make money off the event. Like, I didn't even consider or care about how much money I lost on the first, you know, whatever events. And then at some point, we started charging enough to try to limit uh, the amount of people that would show up. Because at the time, we are still having it at Red Hill Range in Georgia. And there was just, you know, it was a small range. And there was only so much room. And we were really trying to limit that. Once Remington bought the company, we had the... the, the <laughs> The final one, you know, like the death rattle of it was at, uh, they owned a big range facility in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. It used to be called the Olive Group and then Tier 1, and we had it there, and they were really going to monetize this thing. And I wanted to grow the event, but I didn't necessarily agree with everything they wanted to do. And, of course, the event was a huge flop, and then it was never funded again, and I wasn't in control of that, so it died. Um but, but that was, um, those were interesting times and good events. And I met a lot of cool people there, but it was just so interesting the way that we put it on and, uh, the, you know, DOD, I mean, SOCOM would come, uh, some of the government groups would come and show up and we had no idea ahead of time. And, uh, you know, we would meet with them there. And so then we would have parties after the events at a, at a bar in Atlanta and, um, it was a it was an interesting and and productive way to meet people in the industry and you know so many things sort of came of that um, that probably led to helped lead to myself to Remington at the time because they showed up um, some executives in their military group showed up and they showed up with some of their military customers from Fort Benning. Um, you know, it's one of those things, I think, like a lot of what I do, uh, it's kind of taking chances, trying to do something a little different. How can it be, you know, good for the industry? How can it help our company? Um, you know, just the concept of a creative marketing approach and exposure. Uh, I mean, I think, like our products now, people can say, oh, you know, this is an ignorant statement. People say, oh, the fix is overpriced, the honey badger's overpriced. Well, you're just ignorant. Um, you know, this isn't a, a, the Springfield Saint or, um, you know, the fix isn't a, a bolt action with, uh, you know, a fancy stock on it, just a regular 700. This is, these are new innovative products and just handling one 
most people get it. Otherwise, come and watch a build day, you know, or, or can participate in a build day. See what goes into our products. You know, the Honey Badger, for instance, you can think it's just an AR pistol. There are so few common parts in that gun, and there's a reason that our products are lightweight, they shoot great, the functionality, the ergonomics are all wonderful with the guns. Uh, this is just the time and the effort, and we do stuff that no one else does. And whether it's just marketing or, you know, events like that silencer shoot or the products themselves, I think you're going to see this in the DNA of the company. Um, and any company that I'm in control of, we're going to do things a little bit differently. And sometimes you fail. And, you, you know, sometimes those are the greatest things we learn from those. Like, I understand what went wrong with the silencer shoot when Remington kind of took it over and understand moving forward. I, I don't want to do SHOT Show. I don't want to do any of these mainstream events because I think they've evolved into the same thing. It's all about the money. Um, you know, if you can't spend half a million dollars to do it, you're not going to get the exposure. You have to buy advertising. I mean, all that stuff, well, there's a place for it, I guess. It's just not a place I want to be. So I think you'll see lessons that I learned from the silencer shoot and us moving forward probably next year or the following year, 2020 or 2021, you're going to see us have an event where the media selects media and select uh, customers and select dealers, uh, a few from each category. We're going to get together and have a private event that we allow them um, to basically record uh, use as a platform to promote the company however they want and their experience however they want and not control it. And we're going to be able to do it without spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're going to maximize uh, the exposure of this. And that's going to be great for the individual. That's going to be great for our dealers. That's going to be wonderful for uh, the media as well. And um, so that's kind of it. People asking me about the silencer shoot. No, I don't think that we'll do one of those again. I think it's kind of a, a different, a different time and a different place. And, um, it's just not something we're gonna, we're gonna do again. But there are, there are other events that you can go to. Um, you know, I'm not interested in an event like that now. And that's kind of it. So, sound numbers. So, DB readings. Sound performance. How to compare it. Um, yeah, we don't provide sound numbers anymore. Uh, not because we're not the quietest. Not because we're not proud of what we do. Um, it's become ineffective. And I've talked about it in previous podcasts. Uh, 10 or 15 years ago when Phil Dater and Greg Latka and the goobers at Gemtech threatened to pull their advertising from guns and weapons for law enforcement and whatever the other printed periodical was. Um, something for military and police. Um, the publisher, which was Harris Publications, which I think has gone under now, decided to rather lose their rather than lose Jim Tech's advertising to not do a to stop doing comparison sound performance like head-to-head -head test which used to happen and this only happened when we started beating Jim Tech who was kind of 
uh, you know, the number one company at the time when I started Advanced Armament. Uh, it was a chicken shit move by the publisher and by Phil Dater. Um, I don't respect it. This was an independent test done by Al Paulson, who was a writer who wrote Silencer History and Performance. Um, and he used to test everybody's silencers. And he was unbiased, and he gave the actual data. And that was published, and that's kind of what everybody put in their catalogs. We don't have Al Paulson anymore, and when I formed the American Silencer Association with Josh Waldron, this was going to be one of the things that it was going to do. Um, now I think it's a little more of a fret, and they, of course, have not done anything really useful. Um, but the industry does need someone that's unbiased to test and report sound data and that we all should agree to go by it and publish that no, those numbers. You know, so now if you want to know, do we have a sound meter? Yes. Do we sound test everything? Yes, we do. Is it the reason, the number one reason you should buy a certain silencer because it metered the quietest? No, that is so asinine. You know, it's like buying a car based on the published fuel economy. Number one, it's probably not correct. Number two, there's too many variables. Number three, there's far more reasons you need a silencer than the absolute best sound performance. Designs and stuff like that. So you have a lot of cans that perform sound-wise um, very similarly, um, whether it be rimfire, rifle, or whatever. Uh, and there's other reasons to buy. So, modular silencers. I get this question all the time. So when does it make sense? When does it not? You know, I don't know. But here's my take. We obviously do modular at a pretty high level with, for example, the Erector silencer. Right now, just in 22, coming out 9mm 45 for pistols. It is totally modular, not any fake-ass modular where we cut a can in half and made it heavier and bigger by putting threads in the middle and acting like we put a fucking man on the moon. It is truly modular in the sense of every baffle is modular and it's completely configurable. And what we have is for a 22. Uh, two, roughly a two ounce, sometimes lighter, maybe sometimes a little heavier, silencer that can be the shortest, longest, quietest, loudest, most versatile silencer you have. The reason it's important in 22 is a 22 pistol is very freaking loud and people don't realize it. It's close to the sound of a nine millimeter handgun. So you need more silencer on a 22 pistol. On a 22 rifle, you're burning all the powder and I don't know. 10 or 12 inches so you got a 16 18 20 inch 22 rifle it's quiet even without the silencer it's a huge difference going from a 22 pistol to a 22 rifle unsuppressed the sound is different so you don't need a lot of silencer on a 22 rifle that's a fact so you can take your erector 22 and take four or five of the baffles out you put on it it weighs less than an A2 flash hider. It's on the end of your gun, so if you're out target shooting or squirrel hunting or whatever you would do, um, it's only a couple inches long. It's not cumbersome, and you don't notice the weight. Weight, to me, 
is huge with practical use of silencers or firearms. Weight is incredibly important, and the overall length. You know, like pistol silencers, it's they're weird because they make the gun twice as long. You know, and I've said it in the past, if you had if we made silencers for your AR-15 or whatever you shoot and they made the gun twice as long, you wouldn't ever use them. It'd be a joke. So that is one thing where we started working on the integral pistol at AAC, why it was important. And then, well, Silencer Coke, I think it's one of their best products, but still a bit half-assed and it probably is what bankrupted the company and it was bad timing. They didn't execute design properly. A lot of factors. Not the dumbest thing they did, but, you know, it, it didn't turn out great. It's not wildly popular. Um, and, you know, well, I think they made that thing modular, too, which is pretty cool, I guess. So, modular silencers overall, when you start doing it on rifle caliber silencers, you know, what's important to me is reliability accuracy, point of impact shift, weight, length, back pressure, all of these things. But accuracy to me is extremely important when I shoot, when I hunt. You know, shooting is lots of fun. If you can't hit what you're trying to hit, then it's kind of stupid and a waste of time. So a lot of times, you know, the old urban legend of the silencer, you know, robs you of velocity and accuracy. I mean, I think that's pretty much been disproven for the most fact or the most part but for the most part yeah so um what is really important in the accuracy is that you don't want to lose it from the unsuppressed gun then the silencer is less useful so in attempts to avoid that how can we make the whole system when you shoot with a silencer a better shooting experience than shooting without and sometimes sound is of the utmost importance. Generally, in a practical sense, that's not the case most of the time. But accuracy is almost always important. So when we taper the muzzles to be reverse compatible, you know, and we didn't put the threads behind the shoulder because then it wouldn't be reverse compatible with all your guns. But having a tapered muzzle, like on all of our guns and all the barrels that we offer, and we did it at SIG, and again, we did it at AAC on the original Honey Badger, that helps you with alignment. So the silencer is going to be in the same alignment every time you put it on, you take it off. It's going to be in as perfect alignment with the bore as you can possibly get. Another part of that is EDM, electro-discharge machining. We wire cut the bores to make them as straight as possible in relation to the bore of your rifle. So with that being said, when you have these silencers where the front and rear end caps are interchangeable, then the wire EDMing of the bore doesn't matter because these kooks aren't putting tapers in the back and front of the silencer to orient the end cap, and it's another tolerance stack. So your rear end cap in relation to the bore of your rifle and your silencer, every time you thread it in or out, is in a different relation because you have thread tolerance and slot between the two than it would be if you had a taper. But even adding a taper, you're adding more tolerance. So I just don't really get down with that because I like shooting far and I like being accurate. So having the thread in rear mounts and front end caps, if 
you can half-ass it like everyone does now, and you get a heavier, weaker silencer that you're never going to get the consistency that you could if it weren't constructed that way. So from accuracy, point of impact, shift, whatever. Now, the other point to this, some people want a front-end cap in a 30 caliber can that's 5.56. Five, because then, well, it would meter a little quieter in front of your gun, but it's going to hold more of the gas and it's going to come out, you know, down the barrel of your gun, into your chamber, and into your ear. So I just kind of think that's silly. I would rather noise be going downrange than in my eardrum. So I don't like that. And when you restrict the diameter of the end cap too, and then you're not wire cutting the bore, the bullet getting closer to one side of that front end cap than the other, you could get baffle strikes. And at the very least, you're going to get more point of impact ship than possible. Now, I don't want any jerk off emailing me, sliding into the DMs, telling me, oh, I've got a Thunder Beast or an Omega, and it's so accurate. Yes, you can do it occasionally. But just overall, it's not the right way to do it. You can get a setup with a half-ass silencer and mount that doesn't have tapers, uh, that's interchangeable, that's going to shoot good on your gun. Now take that off and put it on five other guns and tell me it shoots just as well. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, those are some of the reasons for us not jumping into the modularity. Uh, you know, some others are when you start adding these threaded junctions, whether it's in the center of the silencer to create a short and a long silencer or it's at the end caps so you can change out your end caps, uh, you have to make things bigger, heavier, and sometimes of different materials to make them as strong as if you didn't do that. Um, and again, we want our stuff to be light. Uh, like I know, I think it's uh, Dead Air makes uh, a Wolfie silencer or something that's uh, a 9mm can that's modular, and that's super cool, and I bet that it's quiet and it's neat. But it weighs more than our 300 Win Mag silencers for freaking 9mm cartridge. And some of this is your fault. I'm going to tell you. Some of it's the consumer fault. The consumer's fault. When we have people that want, oh, my 9mm can and use it on my 300 Win Mag and use it on my 300 Blackout. Like, shut up. Just stop. Get a silencer for your gun. Leave it on there. And stop trying to do all this. Like, the hybrid is one of the best-selling silencers from Silencer Co. So that tells me we, as the companies, have done a terrible job educating you. The ASA and these other organizations, and especially the consumer. Do not buy a silencer for 22 and 4570 The same silencer. Damn it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. It's dumb. It, it, I mean, I can't even think about other parts of your life where you would do this. You know, like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. What, what would that be like? It'd be like having a, you know, me having a minivan for all my dang kids and then taking it to, you know, in the mountains camping or off-roading or... Uh, to the racetrack for track day. It's just dumb. You know, don't, don't do it. Silencers, it's kind of a lifetime commitment, and I get it. Because you pay the tax years forever. All the more reason to get the best one you can. 
So we're going to help you out where we can by doing the plan B's and mounts that make these things better and lighter. You know, and don't forget about when you buy these other company silencers and they have three and a half ounce muzzle brakes, that goes into the system weight. You know, there's a reason the Cherry Bomb is so lightweight. And I like our mounting system. I like it very much. But I also know what I like better? One-piece silencers like the Half Nelson and the Full Nelson with direct thread with a taper to your muzzle. So then you don't have the tolerancing of even the Cherry Bomb. So I can't imagine with these other ridiculous muzzle brakes and muzzle devices silencers mount to where they're not even threaded and tapered. The taper's in the wrong spot. You have a 90-degree shoulder on your barrel and on your dang muzzle device. I mean, it's a miracle more silencers aren't ruined. So, with that said, I reserve the right to change my mind as we get smarter. Will we do modular silencers, more of them? Yeah, I bet we do. And I bet we do our own take on it. Um, You know, I want to see the erector silencer in an ultra-lightweight rifle silencer. Uh, You know, because any of you guys that listen to some of the other podcasts and stuff, you know, sometimes I want to be super quiet, and so I use the, the Thunder Chicken or the Full Nelson, um, you know, especially if I'm shooting with, with my daughters or something. And uh, But most of the time, it's just me, and I'm shooting or hunting. I want a very short silencer. I just want to not notice the shot. The smallest thing that's going to be hearing safe is what I want. Lightweight. I don't... I want to pretend there's not a silencer on the gun until I shoot. So I'm kind of over, like trying to look cool and all tactical and have a silencer on your gun with your multicam and I mean I don't even know what kids do at the range now to look ridiculous but I'm sure there's something like this so you get the picture however I don't like using quick detach if I have to that's why we made the cherry bomb so similar to a direct thread with a taper and we made it lightweight because we don't want to add a lot of tolerances and we don't want to add a lot of weight you know it's funny when a company sells a modular silencer without a rear mount or a muzzle device and you know that's the advertised price and weight of the silencer you know give me a fucking break all right if you're getting a, a fast attached silencer the weight that goes on your gun is the actual weight the muzzle device and the silencer you know, and if you buy one of these modular silencers with no rear mount, that's not the weight. You can't mount it to anything. It has to have a rear mount, at least, even if you're threading it to your barrel. And heavy stuff just sucks. I mean, think of the laptops that we had in, like, 2002 compared to now. I had some Sony Bio thing. And it must have weighed, like, 15 pounds. Um, so, that's that rant. Uh, do modular when it makes sense, you know, and I, I think something you might could relate it to is the fix. The fix rifle from us is modular. It makes sense. You know, we don't have a, a fast attached barrel that you can do in, you know, three seconds because it's dumb. It makes it less accurate. It makes it heavier. There's no way around it. There's going to be compromises that weren't worth the overall system to us. And, you know, maybe think about that with a silencer. You know, buying this one silencer that you can shoot 22 all the way to 4570 through is so dumb. No one is going to buy a silencer, especially, you know, your first time guys that fall for this. You're 
going to buy lots of silencers. You're never going to shoot without a silencer again. So don't take the bait. Don't do something stupid.